0: Well, welcome to Love versus Hate. My name is Anne, and I am your
1: old-fashioned nerd. And I'm Emily, your mainstream millennial.
0: And on this podcast, Emily and I like to
1: debate and argue about the things in life that we love and hate. And although we rarely agree, we always try to find some common ground.
0: And today, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, books, and specifically
1: memoirs. I love reading. Oh, I love reading, too. And I love memoirs, actually. I yeah. really do. I've actually gotten into memoirs like over the past year. So I'm excited about this topic. Oh, we <gasps> found too. some coming ground already. Yay. <gasps> Yay. We'll see how long it lasts.
0: <laughs> do we like the same kind of memoirs? Mm. Probably not. Mm. But I have a feeling that I would probably enjoy whatever memoirs you throw my way. Probably. Yeah. I just love them. They're just so good. I love They're hearing so about people's Exactly. I love that it like puts you... Because one, the author is like able to reflect so they can like offer you know like they look into their past and they're like okay this is what happened and I realize now like this is how people were feeling about it or I realize now that this is why my parents told me that or you know like there's there's opportunity to have this understanding and as a reader you kind of get that picture and I also love that it puts you in a time period like especially with memoirs usually it's at least 10 or more I mean sometimes it can be shorter but like it's usually at least a few years ago if not more. And so you kind of get this like little pocket of an era that you get to experience a little bit. Like what was it like in the 50s or the 60s, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's something I also really love about it. And you also get to really learn about like just a time and place, like what this person's life
1: was like back then. I I just love it. And to think it's all real. I know. That's the thing that's crazy to me is normally the memoirs that I read aren't really about like people who have the same lifestyle and beliefs as me Mm, and so that is like super interesting to see how different people live who live in the same like country as me I'm like how are these people living this way that is insane and it's so interesting to me to just read about how somebody else lives yeah but before we get too into (laughs) memoirs Anne and I (laughs) discovered or made a game this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it kind of has... It, we wanted
0: to talk about it a little bit because it literally happened this morning. We were really excited about it. And we wanted to encourage our listeners to play along with us. And also, it kind of ha- goes along with this like memory thing. We might be stretching it a little bit, but whatever. You get to hear about it anyway. <laughs> so I was listening to Imagine Dragons, and I recently just finished watching the Peaky Blinders.
1: Per Emily's recommendation. Yes. Actually, well, technically it was Alex's first, but then I was like, okay, Anne, you should watch this. I think you would like it. And she was right. I did
0: like it. I loved it. It was very, very good. And I was listening to Imagine Dragons, and I heard the song, Natural... And it literally was like written for the main character in Peaky Blinders, Tommy Shelby. And I was so, I was like listening to it and I was just like so excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, like I was literally playing this like music video in my head and I was picturing like certain scenes for this chunk of the song. And I'm like, this song was written for him. It's so cool. And so this morning I picked up Emily on our way to work and I was like, Emily, Emily, this song was made for Tommy Shelby. And then we turned it into a game. We had to pick other characters from other shows that we liked and try and find find a song that would match them perfectly. It was so fun.
1: It was sort of hard because Anne and I don't watch a lot of the same movies and shows. So we (laughs) were like kind of limited. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's actually really, really hard, but also really fun when you actually find something that matches. You're like, oh my gosh, this song totally matches. So we were doing like the Avengers. We were doing the Survivor characters, which if you haven't listened to our Survivor episode, you have to go check it out. We're kind of addicted to Survivor now. Yeah. Well, and has always been, but now I'm newly addicted.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it was funny because we literally had to think. I was like, I don't know if we have much else other than Marvel <laughs> characters and Survivor, but we're getting there, people. We're getting there. That's part of the point of this podcast. We're building bridges.
1: Yes. Wow, you just had a lot of good alliteration. Part of the point of this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry that just like stuck out to me. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're talking about books. You know, alliteration
0: and language is all part of words and books. And I, I can't do it. I was going to try and alliterate again, but I had
1: nothing. Okay, Anne, do you want to start with your memoir? I'm really interested to know what it is.
0: Oh, yes. I, I actually have told you about it because I literally read this memoir in like a day and a half because I, I picked it up and I could not... Put it down. So the book that I recommend and that I'm going to tell Emily
1: about is called Rocket Boys. Oh, right. (laughs) I don't know. Why I was thinking anything else. I know. Um, It's just like, it's the most recent
0: memoir that I've read. So it really like stuck out in my mind. And also it kind of goes along with like the whole space theme that's going on. You know, the Mars Perseverance rover. If you haven't listened to that episode, I
1: recommend because I've kind of become obsessed. I've always been obsessed with space. You know, the the second you said space, I didn't yawn this time. Oh, Emily, I'm so proud of you. You're growing. But you know, there's always opportunity to... (gasps) Oh, I just said opportunity. <laughs> ah, she remembered There's the always name of opportunity the rover. to yawn later. She remembered
0: <laughs> the name of the Mars rover.
1: Oh, I'm so proud of you. Wow, I didn't even mean for that to happen. It just kind of came out.
0: I know, I was a little stunned when you like paused for a second. I was like, what? Yeah, and then when you're like, I can't believe I just said opportunity. I'm like, Oh my gosh, she remembered. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, you should listen to that episode. But Rocket Boys is a memoir um, by Homer Hickam Jr. And he, basically the book is about um, his life growing up as a teenager. And he grew up in a small mining town in West Virginia called Coalwood. And you can kind of guess what they mined there. Wood. Just kidding. (laughs) cool yeah, you mind for what <laughs> uh, and so the whole town like there was basically you know the kids would grow up, they'd go to high school, they'd get a you know just standard kind of education and then they'd either if they were lucky, they would either get like a football scholarship and be able to go to college through a scholarship or you went to work in the mines like that was pretty much the only. Opportunity.
1: See what you did there.
0: (laughs) The only opportunity in Colwood. And so, you know, he's a young boy and it takes place in like the late 50s, early 60s. And he actually sees Sputnik go across the sky. And Sputnik was the first satellite that was ever launched. It was a Russian satellite. I'm so glad you said that. I know. I knew you didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to clarify. uh and so he saw sputnik like in the sky and it just inspired him and he was just amazed and just awed by it and so he decided right then and there that he was going to build rockets and so he got his friends together and over the course of the next three to four years they just built rockets together and they experimented and it's just it's it was so interesting to learn about it too because um I watched an interview that he did you know after the book was released in much i think it was like in i want to say the interview was in like 2000 or something like that Mm -hmm. and uh and he was saying he's like you know i calculated it and because his dad was the foreman and like supervisor in the mine so he had a lot of access to materials and like he had you know control over the mine and so homer would go to his dad and say like hey like you know, I want to build these rockets and I need these supplies and I need welding done. And there was a weld shop at the mine. And so like he was able to basically kind of utilize his dad as a resource to help build these rockets. And he later in this interview, he was like, you know, I think I calculated it. And my estimate was that because they built around like 30 rockets and out of all 30, like combined, he's like, that probably would have been about $25,000 in like today's money. And they built them all for free because they were able to like use leftovers and mm. stuff like that. Um, and it was just such an endearing story. And uh, it's not only about, you know, his journey building rockets, but also his family and just what life was like in Colwood. And because especially at that time, like coal used to be such a massive part of the American industry and workforce. I mean, coal was huge. It was massive. And right around the 50s was when it kind of started to die out. And, you know, we started using other methods to like fuel and um, power America. It wasn't just coal anymore. And so it's kind of this story, too, of how America changed at that time. Um, And it's just there's just something about, you know, this sort of American story that's just really beautiful. And I just highly recommend. Um, And it's it's amazing too, like, you know. Being able to build these rockets with his friends, like, it got him out of Colwood. He was able to achieve his dream. And he actually eventually got a job at NASA. um, And he got to literally, like, do what he always wanted to do and dream. And uh, so it's just, like, it's such an endearing story. So,
1: Though that is way different than the memoirs (laughs) that I read. It's like, oh, so inspiring and happy. Like, there's probably, yeah, some, like, trials and tribulations along the way. But... (laughs) Compared to the ones that I'm going to talk about, like, that's very positive. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there was. Well, and that's something,
0: too, that I really enjoyed about it. Like, he talked about his relationship with his dad a lot. Yeah. Because it was a hard relationship because his dad was working all the time. Like, his dad was always working in the mine. It was always tension with his mother and with his family. And so, like, you know, he was very open and honest about it. Um, so, yeah, there's, it certainly wasn't all rainbows and shun- sunshine by any means. But um, I do tend to lean towards those type of memoirs, like, yeah. that are endearing and inspiring. And,
1: oh, wow. Well, then we'll see what you think about the ones that i would talk about
0: (laughs) (laughs) you would pick something completely different
1: yeah um so i'm like just trying to picture how the book would go like does he talk a lot about like how he made the rockets or Yeah, he does. And
0: he he kind of goes over his like life in that time, right? So it starts out where he talks about like, you know, kind of what it was like for him as a kid growing up and then he talks about um, you know, what inspired him, like how Sputnik ex- inspired him to build rockets. And it kind of became this opportunity for him to really have this chance to get out of Coalwood and not be a coal miner. Like he never really wanted to go into the mines and his mother certainly didn't want that for him because mm-hmm. she saw what it was doing to his father. Um, and so, you know, she really encouraged him. Like when he was like, mom, I want to build rockets. Like she really encouraged him because she saw it as an opportunity for him to get a, a better education and, you know, leave Coalwood and actually do something other than mining for his life. Um, which is like, it's so weird. Cause like today, like, I never really had, like, I always just knew I would go to college. Like, I was very fortunate. Like, my parents were able to help support me through it. And, like, obviously I'm paying off my student loans <laughs> now. But, you know, like, I, that, that opportunity was always available to me. Right. And I was really fortunate in that. And so it's it's weird when I, like, I have to remember, like, not, you know, a lot of people don't have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like reading about, like you were saying at the beginning, I really like to read about other people's perspectives and You know, what kind of life it was like for them because it is very different from our own and it just broadens our, you know, makes us more understanding and humbles
1: you, humbles you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But I want to know like a story, like tell me something that was super interesting. Like what's the story that stood out to you most? I want to know because I'm probably not going to read it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's so much. There's so much. Um. He talks about all of the rockets that they launched and how they learned how to, like, make them better. And it's incredible. I mean, they launched rockets that literally went miles into space. Or, well, not into space. It never broke the atmosphere. But um, I think their highest rocket was, I think, over, like, I want to say over eight miles it went up.
1: How did they know that?
0: They, they calculated it. They did all of the math. That's the other thing. Like, they they. You, you know, you time how long it's in the air and you can estimate based on how far it, like, lay- I don't know the math. I'm not a mathematician. He didn't but- say? Well, no, he did, but I just don't remember that <laughs> stuff. Um, so he goes into pretty intricate detail on, like, how they made them, how they figured, cause they had to, that was the other thing. Their teachers barely knew the math. And uh, one of his teachers actually really supported him and she actually bought him, like, this book to and she's like i don't even understand the math in here but here you go like you know so like they really encouraged him to continue his education as well and uh you know because it was a small town that didn't have resources that's the thing it's crazy like they didn't have internet you know he couldn't look up this math he had to learn it for himself he had to find a book to teach him because his teachers couldn't even teach him the math Mm -hmm. so he talks about that a lot so he goes into detail into that um as well i think for me though I really remember the stuff with, like, his dad. I was really intrigued by that just kind of story. I'm always... I love family stories. Yeah. Um, I just find it very interesting, and it always makes me cry. I get so emotional. I get Mm -hmm. so emotionally attached. (laughs) Um, So hearing the stories about, like, his dad, because his dad, you know, he was extremely proud of the mine. It was his passion. He was he was dedicated and passionate and he pushed, he wanted that mind to succeed more than anything else. And there's this moment where, you know he's looking at his son and he's like i want to show you the mine and you know i want you to come see what i get what i do because he really wanted homer and who actually by the way his dad's name was homer as well so mm-hmm. um that's why he was homer hickam jr and so and they called him sunny by the sunny was uh, his nickname and that's in the book he refers to himself as sunny and that's what everyone calls him and so they're in the mine and his dad is showing him like And he's so, and he can just see his dad like light up and he's so passionate and he's so excited and he's showing him all these cool things and he's showing him like what the mind looks like. And he's showing him how he knows the mind, like a man, like he said that, you know, I know the mind, like I know a man and it's clear his dad is just so passionate about this and they're on their way back up and Homer, you know, Sonny, he's already kind of in his head. He's like, this is not for me. Like I am not, I never want to be here. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this isn't for me. And they're on their way back up. You know, they're taking the mind check back up. And his dad's like, you know, what did you think? He's like, I don't know. It's cool. Like, it's cool. And you could just like he saw his dad like just like his heart just like fall to his feet. Yeah, because all he wanted was to like share this with his son and his son, you know, just wasn't passionate about it. And could like that moment, it was like so like heart wrenching for me because and he even like, you know, Sonny said he's like, I I knew how much I was going to disappoint my dad by telling him that I didn't like share this passion. And so a part of him didn't even want to say it. But, you know, he also couldn't really lie to him. And so, yeah, it's just, you know, those kind of moments, those are what stick out to me. And. The, those are the like powerful moments that i always just really enjoy so yeah yeah i highly recommend the book like i said it not only focuses on you know his journey to build these rockets which is really exciting there's a lot that i loved about that and the stuff that they had to go through to like get these rockets built is crazy but at the core of it too it's a story about family and a story about you know mm-hmm. what it was like growing up in america as a kid so nice. I, yeah i like it a lot i could literally tell you all the stories but that one's probably my favorite because it just like really got to me yeah
1: I'd say that's probably the best one. I mean, I don't know any of the other stories, but yeah, I love like learning about like the family dynamics. It's just so interesting, and that's like a huge part of the memoirs that I like to read too. Is like it's always focusing around like family more so than like the individual.
0: Yeah, or the or whatever journey the individual might be on. Like that's certainly a part of it. But yeah, like I I agree. I love that focus on family um because i think that's the most relatable i mean everybody has a family Mm -hmm. nobody gets to choose their family and so there you have these moments and you know there's situations that you have to work through and it's just like it can be really powerful and can be really really inspiring and really emotional and yeah everybody has to work through them yes i will say just to kind of wrap up on rocket boys There is also a movie called October Sky, and that's how I was actually introduced to it. October Sky actually was made in 1999, and it is a really, really good film. And I think they did a pretty good job adapting the book into a movie. Yes, they changed some things, but I think at the core of it, it stayed the same. You know, it was a story about a father and his son, and a family, and this boy who had a dream to change his life and, you know, get himself you know, a, an education and get himself out of, um, you know, an, what people were expecting of him. And it's really, really good. I highly recommend anybody to watch the movie. I highly recommend the book. It's just a really, really good story.
1: Nice. I might check out the movie.
0: Yeah, we can watch, <laughs> uh, you would like the movie, I think. It has okay. uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, okay. a young Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, Ooh. he stars Sonny. Well, in the film, they call him Homer. Um, and
1: uh, he does a really good job sweet yeah i'll check it out okay yeah you would like it okay i'm excited to tell you about my uh memoir i mean it's not my memoir but (laughs) the memoir i'm gonna be talking about (laughs) um it's called the sound of gravel by ruth werner it is like a super crazy story like i can't even believe this is somebody's real life so this is about um, Ruth is the 39th of her father's 42 children. Holy cow, wow, really. Yeah. Yep. Wow. <laughs>
0: um, I assume he had multiple Multiple wives, yes. Ones? Okay. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> that would be great. I don't think one woman could pump out that many babies. That would be
1: insane. Yes. So Ruth was raised in a polygamous cult, and she was kind of She lived mostly in Mexico, but every so often, like every couple of years or every couple of months, I can't remember exactly. I read this like um, last year, so I can't remember all the details. Um, Every couple of months, her and some of her siblings and her mom would go to um, the U.S. so that they could get money for like welfare or whatever. Because other than that, she lived in a house with no electricity and no plumbing oh my goodness what wait wait, wait, what year is this so i can't remember the exact timing that like it took place when she was young but i think and don't quote me on this but i think it might be like around the 1970s but yeah her it was just crazy so i think her dad was the founding prophet of the colony that like everybody lived in okay um so he was kind of like a big deal and everybody wanted to be his wife (laughs) Which is why he had 42 children. Um, And so, yeah, it was about her. And I think she had, like, maybe five other, like, full-blood siblings. Um, But they didn't really believe in, like, modern medicine. So they never went to hospitals or anything. And so there was a lot of problems, like, with her siblings. And, like, just they never got help to help the children. Right. Um. And so there's just, like, so many, like, sad stories that happen. Like, her older sister had, like, some sort of mental disorder that they didn't get her help for. And so eventually, like, she just kept attacking people so much that they had to take her away. And she, like, went into a mental institute eventually just because she was, like, putting people in danger. Um, And, like, her dad eventually got shot and then her mom remarried and the the new dad was like really abusive and like um just like her life was just crazy i can't believe all of the stories that she had but eventually um like every so often as she went back to the united states that's where her grandparents lived and her grandparents were like why are you doing this like the mo- the moms um parents were just really confused as to why they would be living in Mexico in the conditions that they are, like, why can't you just live here? And Ruth was, like, after she got older, she was like, I don't understand the cult. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't want to be here anymore. So, like, it's kind of like the story of her as a child then growing up and realizing, like, this isn't for me. I have bigger things that I want to do with my life. And, like, eventually she gets out of the cult. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> She's writing the book. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, the stories are just, I just can't even believe the story. Like, the one story that sticks in my head the most is they did have an electric fence in their backyard, and one day, like, her younger brother was playing with the other kids, and they thought that, like, the fence wasn't on, and so they were, like, about to climb over the fence. And so the brother, like, touches the fence to climb over it. And he literally, like, gets electrocuted and, like, shocked and dies on the fence. Like, his hands are on the fence. He's, like, frozen on the fence, dead. (laughs) And then she goes and gets her mom. And she's like, Mom, like, whatever his name is, I can't remember, is dead. Like, he just got electrocuted and he's on the fence. And her mom goes out there and she's like, the fence isn't on. She sees the dead son on the fence and she's like, the fence isn't on. That's, no. And so she touches the fence and then she gets electrocuted and almost oh. dies. Like, at that point, she does go to the hospital because she's almost dead. Yeah, it's just crazy, like, to experience how other people live and, like, other people, like, what they believe. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. You see a person who has just been electrocuted, but you still believe that the fence is turned off. Um, So yeah, it's just super eye-opening to just see other perspectives and how other people live. It's crazy, and I I, like for some reason like stories like that are so like crazy, but. I just like can't stop reading them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're right. I probably wouldn't like a book like that. I think it would stress me. That's just hearing about it. That's so stressful. Yeah. And that's like incredible though. Wow.
1: Yeah. At one point, they had um, like they were really excited because they were going to get plumbing and they were going to get like a shower head for their shower. And they were super excited. But then the dad came home and he's like, actually, I gave it to my other wife. And they were like, but you told us we could have plumbing. Like, how could you imagine being like, what? I don't get to take a shower for who knows how long? Oh, no,
0: I can't imagine.
1: Yeah, it's just, yeah. Wow. That story still sticks with me. And I've read it like over a year ago. Yeah. And I still think about it. (laughs) Wow. That's sad. I
0: know. That's the thing. Memoirs, like, I think I read them for the inspiration. Like, when they're sad, I'm just like, oh, that's so sad. That's heavy.
1: I know. Like, when and, like, I think when of speeches. memoirs, I think of like sad stories. Yeah. I <laughs> that's why like when happy you were talking, stories. I was like, what? That's not a memoir.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, I'm listening to you, story, and I'm like, that's like not a memoir. That's scary. And yeah. Because,
1: yeah, the other memoir that I literally just finished is um Jeanette Wall's Glass Castle.
0: Oh, which Yeah, I
1: saw the movie. I haven't
0: read her the memoir, but
1: Yeah, but it's another like sad like life story about a girl and her dysfunctional family. It's kind of sad because the dad is an alcoholic, but he you can tell that he like wants what's best for his kids, but like he just gets in these funks where he's just drunk all the time and he Mm. just messes up for his family. But, like, you can tell the relationship that he has with his daughter and, like, his daughter really actually, like, loves him and wants what's best for him. But, like, they never can, like, be happy together. Mm. And, like, she ends up, like, moving out to New York with her siblings because they're like, I'm not living this way anymore. Like, you literally are living in trash and, Mm. like, rotten food and I can't do it anymore. And they want the parents to move in with them and they want to like provide for them. But the parents are just like, they just, I don't even know the right word. (laughs) They just like don't want the help. Their pride. yeah, Yeah, they would rather be homeless than like accept help. And like the mom, she's like, she's not an alcoholic, but like she's so selfish and she like, she has a diamond ring, but she won't sell it to feed her kids Because it's her diamond ring. She has like inherited land. But she doesn't want to sell it. Because that's her land. And like one time her kids were like. Starving for like a week. And she's like under the covers. Hiding eating a chocolate bar. And she's like eating it all for herself. Wow. (laughs) Like yeah. It's stories like that. That just like are crazy to me. And I like can't stop reading about it. Because I'm just so intrigued on how other people's life experiences
0: yeah and that I understand that and I think that you know it is just you forget you know you're you get caught up in your own world you forget that there are people who have really suffered Mm -hmm. and have lived like really difficult lives so I do think it's good to get that perspective and be reminded that life is really hard for a lot of people um, and it's important to like get that perspective Mm -hmm. And it's important to realize how you can like help or how, you know, there's options and it's good to like, you know, just remember life is, life can be extremely difficult. um, And it's really good to, like I said, just have that perspective and understand where other people come from. So I think it is good to read those. They just, you know, I do like to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) I, I literally like I'm going back through my mind and I'm trying to think of the other memoirs that I've read and I'm like, well, that's a pretty happy one. <laughs> I did read this was a while ago, and I won't go too much into it, but um I will recommend, and this one is uh, I do kind of also understand the like those stories and those memoirs that are just so crazy and so almost fantastical in a way that it's like, did that how did that really happen? Yeah. And that's kind of what you're describing a little bit. Um, and I read uh, a memoir by Frank Abagnale. I don't know if you would recognize that name. Probably not. But he, um, did you ever see Catch Me If You Can? It starred Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, that was based off a memoir um, by Frank Abagnale. And basically, he, as a kid, he realized pretty quickly, like, you know, I can con people to give me whatever I want. Like, he just became this master con artist pretty early on when he was a kid and he ended up running away from home and he lived his whole life. He would write fake checks Mm. and then he would use fake checks to make money. And he would like, there was a time in his life where he was a pilot. He just bought himself a uniform. He, he could just play the part. He could turn himself into anybody and people believed him. And so he was able to literally, he just turned himself into a pilot and he flew across the country, across the world, free of charge because He was a pilot and it's just it's just insane. He became a doctor. He became a lawyer and it was all fake. It was all this con. Yeah. And it's just fantastical. It's just crazy. And it's I really recommend the memoir. Eventually it takes decades, but he does eventually get caught. Um, And then just even his life in prison. He was in prison for a while. It's just crazy. Um, and then eventually the FBI actually starts working with him um, to catch people like him yeah. <laughs> and to catch people who are writing fake checks because he, like I said, he spent years doing this. Um, I, one of the stories from that particular book that always sticks with me is uh, he was a doctor and again, no medical history whatsoever. And he just faked it. He just faked it all. You know, like an emergency would happen. And he'd just be like, oh, yeah, nurses, like, come, you know, take care of this. I'm over here. Like, he just could do it. I don't Talked know how. Talk about confidence. Yes, he definitely had confidence. But there was one moment. It's uh, it always stuck with me. He wrote about I think he was a doctor for over two years. And that's the thing. Like, he would do these things that's for scary. years. Yes. Yeah. And this was the thing. Like, to him, like I said, he always found a way or he would always bring the understudy in. Like, he always found a way to, you know, not actually, not actually do anything <laughs> and be okay. And, you know, like, not actually hurt anybody. He never hurt anybody. Uh, and so, but. He had
1: morals.
0: <laughs> he did have some morals. He never, and the, yeah, he never hurt anyone. But. And this is the thing, this kind of proves his morals a little bit. Like he was a doctor for a couple of years and he said what made him leave was uh, there was an actual emergency where a woman was giving birth and he was the only doctor there. Uh And so he like kind of, luckily everything turned out okay. Mom's okay. Baby's okay. But like there was a real moment where this woman was in trouble and he didn't have a way to save her. And so that was the moment. Like he said, like, you know, he eventually was all okay. He's holding this baby, looking at the baby and he's like, that baby knew I was a fake. <laughs> like, I don't know how, but I, with all of my gut and heart, I knew that that baby knew. And that was the moment where he was like, this mom and this baby could have died because I'm here faking this. And that's when he left. Um, mm. And he moved on and became a lawyer. And, you know, he moved on and did other things. But, um, but yeah, that story always kind of stuck with me. Like, that baby knew I was a fraud. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I definitely would want to read that. Yeah, that one you would like for sure. And it's, again, and that one too, it talks about family because he, his parents went through a divorce and his dad had a lot of influence on him. And, um, you know, I it's, it's again, just like a really, it's just so fantastical. It's so crazy. It's like, what? This guy literally like, fake, like he, he had to take the bar exam genuinely. Like you can't fake that. (laughs) He did have to take the test and he, he failed the first time, but he passed. The second time. So, I mean, he was a lawyer. So, he he passed the bar exam. He was a lawyer. It's crazy. And with no education whatsoever. And that's unheard of.
1: So, that's my life lesson right there, folks. You can do anything you set your mind to and you don't have to go to school.
0: Yeah, you can Stay build- Stay out of school. Just <laughs> <laughs> you can build rockets. You can become a lawyer. You can become- a, Well, don't become a doctor without going to school. That's just- a, Nobody do that.
1: <laughs> you can move to New York and be successful. Like- yeah. Jeanette, you can get out of your polygamous cult. <laughs> you can do anything you set your mind to.
0: And I think that's what memoirs ultimately have to teach us. Like,
1: Yeah. There's always some sort of lesson as to why they're writing their memoir. Yeah. Like, they came from here and start from the bottom, not we here, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Emily, do you think you'll write a memoir someday? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't classify myself as an author, and also I don't know what I would really write about. I don't have like that those crazy stories. You know, I was wondering about that too. and uh, it's
0: with the Rocket Boy story, you know, I think you sometimes forget about the things that you've experienced. Like to him, in a way, like he did this cool fun thing with his friends. You know, and it wasn't until much later in his life that he kind of realized how much of an impact it really had and how, and that was something too, in the book, like he talked about how the community came around and like supported these boys and what they were doing. Like people, like hundreds of people, their whole town would come out to watch them launch these rockets. You know, it was a huge deal. And like the community really supported them. And, um, you know, at the time, I think you, it's this cool thing you're doing. You're not really thinking about it. But then later on in his life, he's like, no, that actually was, a really incredible story you know the, the our community supported us you know there's there's some there's value in this story mm. and so I think we live our lives and forget about you know those little things that happened
1: to us this podcast we could write about how we started this podcast one time Ann and I talked about memoirs and so then <laughs> I wrote a memoir about memoirs <laughs> yeah I don't know if I'd write one either but
0: Even, you know, even if it's just for like my family, like my grandpa wrote um, a memoir, but, you know, it wasn't ever published or anything, but my family and I like have it Mm -hmm. and uh, I love reading it. I've read it a few times and it's just so amazing. It's crazy, like the amount of change that can happen in just two generations. Like, you know, for him, something that was fun was going to his aunt's farm and going out to the pond and, you know, fishing for newts and frogs
1: and-, and for us it's watching
0: TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> like and that's only two generations and it's just it's so crazy so you know even if you just write a memoir for your family I think it's well worth it and I- I'd probably yeah. do something like that but
1: yeah I did actually like really enjoy writing when I was in school so maybe <laughs> if I remember maybe that's a good reason why <laughs> yes. I should write well while- <laughs> you really should you should write stuff down yeah I mean, I guess that's a, That's what journaling is sort of. It's kind of like your little memoir, but I mean, I don't really journal either. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we can consider this podcast a memoir. You know, we can always go back and listen to episodes and be like, oh, wow, we were really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, wow, we had so much wisdom. Who knows? It's going to be all over the spectrum. Yeah. Or maybe we'll just laugh at ourselves. That'll be most likely. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It already happens. I laugh
1: at us all the time. So listeners, I would love to know if you've read any good memoirs recently or if you've just have any good memoir recommendations, please let us know on our social. We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and YouTube if you want to check us out there. Um, So yeah, you can message us or leave a comment on like any of our photos and I would just love to hear your recommendations because any sad ones like with really sad stories i'm all down for
0: and i'm down for the happy ones so if you know any happy ones <laughs> it's good to get the broad spectrum but you know happy ones are fun too
1: yeah so i feel like we touched on kind of like learning moments but do you have any others life lessons i think
0: this is probably obvious but i think my life lesson has to be never give up on your dream You know, I feel like that might be a little cheesy or a little cliche, but I think that's what memoirs oftentimes have to teach us. Whether your dream is, you know, changing your environment, like literally leaving an environment to find something new, find something better. I mean, that's really what in Rocket Boys he was doing. Like he didn't want to become a coal miner, so he had to forge his own path or in your story, like. She didn't want to be in this cult, like she had to find a way to get herself out of that situation you know there's mm-hmm. even if it's something like that, um just don't ever feel like you can't do it like there's always there's always a way, and so yeah,
1: yeah. that might be a little cheesy, but it's true it's true. i mean it really is like any memoir that I'm thinking of that applies to exactly. <laughs> Um. Yeah. And I would say, too, that you have a story to tell.
0: You know, I think, like I was saying earlier, I think we sometimes just breeze over our lives or breeze over the things that we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. But we all have a story to tell, even if it's a little one. And every story, I think, has a genuine impact to or has a genuine opportunity to impact somebody in a big way.
1: Yeah. That was kind of what I was going to say as my life lesson is, like, even if you don't have, like, a super huge story, like, rocket boys where hey i started here and now i work at nasa because i flew rockets into the air like this far, or whatever like not everybody's gonna have that story and not everybody's gonna have a story where they're raised in a polygamous cult with no yeah. electricity or plumbing and that's okay like your story like is like valuable just as much as everyone else's story so yeah tell your story what's your story who is she tell us